You're about to listen to a true story told live because this is True Stories Live. Brought to you by LJ Hope Productions, Norwich Arts Centre and me, Molly Naylor. of the evening give her so much love it is the aforementioned Sarah Walker hello hello um, you notice I'm very proudly wearing my I told a story at two true stories live badge yes that makes me feel much braver so in the year 2000 Three things happened to me in the same month. I was told that I hadn't got the job that I was, had applied for. I was told that I was on a waiting list for the job that I had applied for. And I was asked how quickly I could get there to do the job that I'd applied for. It was in that order. The job was in the Arabian Peninsula, in a desert town about 100 miles from Dubai, or 100 miles from Abu Dhabi, depending on which direction you go, called Al Ain. If you look at a map of the globe by night, the brightest electrical light triangle is Dubai, Abu Dhabi, Al Ain, just like that. It is illuminated at all times. The reason why I got the job after having not got the job, after having been told I might have the job, was because the person they gave the first job to arrived drunk, <laughs> fell down the steps of a plane, was drunk and vomiting in the car, which took him from the airport to the college, and was drunk through the 10 days of the induction process. <laughs> you are allowed to drink if you are a foreigner of a certain type. I had to sign a certificate stating that I was not a Muslim, and that entitled me to buy alcohol every month. Uh, specifically, not so much not a Muslim, I had to declare that I was a Christian, which made me check a little bit, well, am I? Um, culturally, if it means I could drink. <laughs> but it's a not a good idea to be drunk. Um, I don't know anybody who was um, brave or dedicated enough to declare themselves Jewish. I think they would have been on the next plane out. Uh, and there is a sizable Hindu population who keep things very quiet. But you are allowed, if you are a Christian, to drink the demon drink. I was teaching English at a women's college in Alain. Alain's a wonderful city. It's a city in the sand. And it is full of forts. Each one looks like the kind of really elaborate sandcastle that you may have dreamt about making if only you could afford the right buckets. And they're all different. And my students in the first year were women doing a thing called certificate, which was really basic, 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 basic education. They had sums and they had English, and they had social studies. Um, there were people teaching them 
sons who had PhDs in maths, but they were teaching adding up. The Arab Emirates buys in its expertise, and I was part of that booty expertise. But I enjoyed it. I got on very well. I love the students. They didn't necessarily think of education as something very important. It was keeping them busy before they got married. But some of them were really dedicated. And some of them were just having fun. College was a chance to be with people that they were not related to by blood. I checked before I went. I didn't have to cover my hair. I didn't have to cover my face. I could have driven a car. If I was able to drive a car, I could have driven a car. Uh, it's not that restricted. Um, some of my students were veiled all the time outside. I only ever had two students in three years who were veiled in the class. This was part of their deal with their families. It's not very easy to teach somebody uh, who's covered. And one of those two students also had thick glasses like the bottle of jam jars. I was never quite sure if she was paying attention or not. One week, uh, I had my students talking about the past, so I told them to bring in photographs of themselves as children, and we put them all down in the table, picked them out, and they talked about them. There was a sweet little girl with black curly hair, and it was this student. And the other students asked questions. One of them said, do you still look like this now? And she looked all round and she said, yes. And I realized that her friends had never seen her face either. In September 2001, I was working late. It was about 6 p.m. A colleague of mine came up and said, Sarah, um, I'm not joking, but a plane has just flown into the Twin Towers. And I thought this was the Twin Towers in Dubai, because they, are, they do have Twin Towers quite near what used to be the airport. Also, the standard of flying, how shall I put this? The UAE is the only country I know of where officially an aeroplane has been hit by a sand dune. Now, the sand dune was on the ground. <laughs> But when it was written up in the papers, and there is a press which covers some of the stories which are fit to print, plane hit by sand dune. And by the time the cameras got there, the logo of the national carrier had been painted out. So we don't know whose plane it was, or when the sand dune leapt up and hit it. After 9-11, certain things changed. Um, my American colleagues were telling taxi drivers that they were Canadian. Um, the Americans I worked with, a lot of their friends rang them up and said, come home, come home, you're not safe. And my friends were saying, what, get on a plane? You must be joking. Um, the American embassy kept issuing safety notices, um, saying, you know, come home, don't talk to people, don't tell them you're American. Uh, the British Embassy um, issued a safety notice saying, um, just carry on, but try and vary your journey to work. <laughs> As for college, only had one entrance, that wasn't actually possible, but it didn't seem to matter. The day after 9-11, um, some of my students from a certificate program came and asked me if my family was safe, which was very nice of them to check. 
And I said, my family are safe, thank you. My family are in England. And they looked a bit puzzled. Your family in London, America? <laughs> no, no, America, over here. England, here, my family, here. They looked very puzzled. And then one of them said, how long would it take to drive from London to New York? It's kind of, well, <laughs> the problem, of course, is finding the vehicle. And then the invasion of Iraq happened. It's now, I think, 17 years since we invaded Iraq to sort everything out and put the Taliban down. As far as I know, we're still fighting in Afghanistan. And the Taliban apparently are more powerful than they ever were. The thing that uh, impressed me when the invasion of Afghanistan happened, all the taxi drivers in Alain had been from Afghanistan. And from one day to the next, they were all from Peshawar, which is in Pakistan. And as time went on and it became obvious that this country was going to take part in an invasion of Iraq, which didn't seem to have terribly much to do with the bombing in New York, I was teaching now an advanced class. They were effectively undergraduates. They were a wonderful class. They were really interested in the world. But there was a check on my contract. We were not allowed to discuss politics or religion. Now, I can, I can understand not discussing religion because from time to time, people would try to convert me to the wonders of Islam. And I could say, well, we're not allowed to talk about that, but I do appreciate your care. Thank you very much. But my students wanted to understand stuff about the world because they were 20, 21-year-old women, intelligent, reading stuff, looking at the world, often reading a lot on the internet that they wouldn't have been knowing about previously. The other thing was I wanted to protest. If I had been in England, I would have been marching and shouting and being a bit cross. And there are no protests in the Arab Emirates. So I was very frustrated with this and I looked online and I could see protests in New York, protests in London, protests everywhere. I believe there was protests in Norwich. And I couldn't find something else than protest. Um, then I found a website which said, if you can't protest, wear a purple ribbon. Downtown Alain is probably the paradise for haberdasheries. You can buy any kind of ribbons, sequins, bells, bobs, bows, which uh, a lot of the, the women of the college designed their own clothes, which nobody ever saw because they were be under the cover. So I went and I bought a couple of meters of purple ribbon and some um, safety pins and I wore it while people were marching here. I very bravely wore a ribbon. What I'd forgotten was that the local football team is purple. <laughs> so I walked into class and my students said, oh miss, you are supporting our football team. And I thought, shall I? And I said, well, actually, 
It's because I think there's going to be a war and I don't think a war is a good idea and I can't protest them. And everybody in the class went, <gasps> and then they all started talking. And we spent two hours talking about the situation in the Gulf. Quite a few of the students, I'd never realised, uh, knew quite a lot about the previous Gulf War. Quite a lot of them have Iranian uh, family members. And we had probably the most interesting discussion we'd ever had, the most real discussion. And then I went away and I thought, oh my God. Nobody noticed that I was wearing a ribbon, apart from my students. Um, uh, apart from one uh, American colleague of mine, um, a lot of people used to wear ribbons for you know, breast cancer awareness and what have you. And she said, oh, that's a pretty ribbon. What are you wearing it for? And I said, well, because I think there's going to be a war. I don't think it's very good. And she said, we're not allowed to talk about politics, and I support Bush 100%. So I thought, okay. A month later, on a Friday, which was our weekend, the invasion started. Our weekend was Thursday and Friday. I came to work on Saturday, and I walked into the class. I had 25 students. They were all wearing purple ribbons. Sarah Walker! True Stories Live is a story show and story finding project brought to you by LJ Hope Productions, Norwich Arts Centre and me, Molly Naylor. For more information about all of the work that we do, head to our website truestorieslive.co.uk.